Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the New Ground Life and Leadership podcast and a happy new year to you. Welcome to 2022. Now, at the start of this year, I'm thrilled to be able to bring you a conversation that I had with a dear friend of mine, someone I've been looking forward to introducing you to for some time. Moshtaba Husseini is an Iranian Christian who in his early 20s spent several years in prison in Iran for his faith. I connected with him years back in Turkey after he had been released from prison and had the opportunity and privilege to hear his story and what the Lord's done in his life. After that, we re-established a friendship as he married an English woman in a town not too far from myself. He's currently pursuing ordination with the Anglican Church at St. Melitus College and is a regular speaker for Open Doors, the charity that looks to support the persecuted church. His testimony, his story is hugely inspiring and challenging and has much to teach us about the experience of Christians facing persecution around the world. Hopefully in the not too distant future, we'll get him back to talk more about the work of Open Doors. But for now, dear friends, dear listeners, please give it up for the one and only, the beautiful Mostaba Husseini. Thank you so much, Jess. It's a great pleasure to be with you. It's always fun having chat with you. So, so we met when you were 28 years old in Yalova, yeah. a nice port just outside of Istanbul in Turkey. And you'd just arrived in Yalova a few months before, um, having only recently been released from prison, um, where you'd been in prison for four years, I believe. Three years and one month, yeah. Three years and one month. Yeah. And it was such a privilege and treat to meet you um, in Yalova all those years ago now and, um, and connect and hear your story of how you became a Christian and then subsequently what happened. Um, so you are from Iran, where it's currently illegal to be a Christian or certainly to worship as a Christian. Yeah. Um, and currently you're, stu- you're studying at St. Melitus in England, married to an English lady. And, um, and you're a, a speaker for Open Doors in supporting the, and raising awareness about the persecuted church. Yeah. So, Moj, I really wanted to get you on the podcast just so I could share your inspiring and uh, deeply moving story with all of our listeners. Um, so where do you want to begin? How do we introduce people to the world of Mostaba Husseini living in Iran, growing up, becoming a believer and all of that? Okay, I was uh, 18 when I first uh, heard the gospel and immediately I had to respond to, to the uh, whatever I heard, uh, which everything I heard was exactly what I needed at that time. Uh, because it was talking about salvation, it was talking about forgiveness and new life, new birth, new start. And I, I just was in a point of my life that I was absolutely broken and devastated personally, my my personal life and also my family life. So it was really hard uh, time uh, I had at that time. And when I heard it immediately, I said, I want this and I need this. And my life completely changed after uh, I accepted the uh, forgiveness of Jesus and believe what who believed in who He is and what He has done for me. So and since then everything changed. Everything changed, and um, in a good way, and also sometimes in, in a difficult way. <laughs> you know. I, yeah, and I suppose one of the difficult ways was then. What do you do? having become a Christian, living in Iran, where you, you know you're not 
necessarily allowed to be a Christian. Talk to us about the, the political situation in Iran or the religious situation in Iran and then what your options were uh, having become a Christian. Yeah, so I was a, an ordinary person in my country and I never had any kind of uh, conflict with anyone in like with my friends or with my um like anyone in my society and never had any problem with police and when i say changing difficult sometimes it was difficult some of the changes was uh like when i was 20 i faced prison and i went to prison and not only a normal prison it was a solitary confinement in intelligence service so the story is when i became christian and at first my older brother became christian and then me and then my dad when he saw the changes in us he became really interested he became christian and then my older sister it was four of us and we were really wanted to find other christians and um but it wasn't really easy uh the the you know in iran there are lots of uh official churches buildings uh uh, from like uh, Assyrians or uh, Armenians and also some Anglican churches before the revolution, they built uh, buildings there. So there was a church, uh, official church in our city. Me and my brother went there and knocked the door and uh, the man said uh, they banned to, from the government, they banned to uh, let anyone uh, inside the building. And on that day, we we realized, oh, there are some restrictions for Christians. I didn't know anything about that. And then uh, um, in a, such a miraculous way, we've, we found some other Christians and we started to see each other in our own houses. And after a couple of, like, uh, a couple of times we saw each other, say, oh, we really liked it. Shall we just continue? Because we were sharing our testimonies and praying together, reading the uh bible together and it was it was really special for us and it was really new for all of us and we all of us were really kind of uh, passionate and enthusiastic for uh learning more and finding out about it more and we just felt as such a close uh connection uh we felt that we, re we some uh, yeah i remember uh, with these people i just felt that i i knew them for all of my life and that intimacy from Holy Spirit was really pure and deep and I really loved it and so um, yeah and then again first we realized that churches are closed in Iran a few of Armenians and Assyrians they open and they really limited and then we didn't know that gathering in houses is something dangerous you know and uh, for one year we were seeing each other and uh, I remember when I was 20 one day early in the morning uh, when I was preparing breakfast there was a knock at the door and I opened the door there was 10 officers standing in front of the door and they were from intelligence service and they said uh, by the order of court we have to research your house and they pushed me in the house, raid right into the house. And I remember some of my family members, they were sleeping. And it was really shocking for them, these men being in the house. 
And it was just horrible, you know? It's such a horrible and shocking experience for me. It never happened in my life. And now I'm a Christian, and I uh, see I, I, my life has changed. I'm, I'm not that negative and bad person anymore. I'm a good person. I want to worship God, be a good person, you know? And, uh, but now these policies in my house and searching my, my house and it's just, it's just very terrifying, you know? And I just felt, you know, home is where you, you have peace and home is where uh, is safe for you, you know, you home there. And when your home invaded very easily by these people, whenever they want to just come in with no reason, no, any, any, what, what was my offense that they just in such an aggressive way coming to my house and just uh, research anything in my life and my personal life and questioning about my belief, what I believe, you know, now I'm in Western context, context, I, I understand how, how, um, um, how can I say it? Shocking is to just, uh kind of um punish someone for what they believe like i believe in god in this way or in that way you know so anyway so it was a very terrifying experience uh so and then yeah they they took me to um solitary confinement for 21 days interrogating me about my faith about the gatherings we had and all this stuff so it was my own personal uh experience the first one you know uh, you, so you're age 20, 10 officers, which is, I mean, let's just say 10 officers at the door. Like <laughs> that, that, that feels a little bit excessive. Um, what did they think they were going to find? You know, they're going, they're going to investigate a Christian church and they, they bring 10, not 10 officers. But you're age 20, only been a believer for two years. And I think for many Christians, particularly in the West, at age 20, even if they've grown up in church their whole life, their knowledge of what they believe and what Christianity is is, is quite limited. But yet, at, at just two years of believer, you were so kind of committed to following Christ. It made such an impact in your life that you you weren't tempted to say, oh, no, no, I'm not a Christian. Um, don't, don't persecute me. Don't interrogate me. I'm quite happy. I'll go back. I promise I won't do it again. What was it for you that made you decide, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to this. I'm not, I am a Christian and I do want to live for Christ. And I am going to admit that even if it means I get thrown into prison. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I didn't really, uh, look, when I, when I became Christian, uh, it was two months, nearly two months that I was, my life was changed and I, I experienced the gift of new birth and I didn't know I'm Christian. You know, but I was living with Christ and I loved Christ and I just loved this uh, relationship, you know, this person, it was the person of Jesus, you know, and and then and I realized they call it Christian, you know, I mean, it's being Christian, it means this. And but later on, I, I you know, being a Christian, the term Christian has lots of anyone can uh you, you you see different people with different um, kind of uh, ideas, like in a religious term, you see it as a Christian or relational term, you, you see it uh, as a Christian. But anyway, uh, what I mean is, for me, was just being a Christian, I'm not a Christian anymore, or I'm a Christian now. It wasn't like that at all. It was just a, like a, 
really a, a, um, uh, how can I say, a, a, a real relationship, a experience I had with this person of Jesus. You know, not only me, my brother who was struggling with drugs and depression, his life completely changed. And myself with lots of bad habits and addictions, meaningless, feeling really empty and broken. And just, I, I, I remember before I become Christian, I was just keep saying, there is no point of living anymore. As someone who is 18 and must have like ambitions and uh, we, uh, goals for their life and just be uh, kind of, uh, how can I say it, uh, enthusiastic for the life and go, go on and uh, uh, build a future. But I just, it was like at age 18 and it says, that's enough. I don't want to live anymore. So, but believing in Christ. Uh, just change everything just brought a huge meaning uh, to my life for me you know that my life is not summarized by this uh, short life I have here life is so much bigger and it's beautiful and God is love and God loves me and and I am someone important in God's kingdom and I can make changes and I and it was happening you know during those two uh, two years before I become arrested uh, many things change in my life and people's lives around me and I and I was so amazed by seeing all these changes so it wasn't really uh, it was yeah it was a very pure relationship uh, for me with uh, Jesus that when we're talking to me literally it was like uh, the in in chapter nine I remember this story of uh, the blind man in chapter nine John in chapter nine, that uh, when he was, when Jesus healed him and he, um, he was standing before the uh, Pharisees and they were, uh, uh, it was like in a court. They said, you, you have to stop talking about this man who healed you. So I, I don't know. I was blind and I, I can't see now. What can I do? You know what I mean? And it was literally like, like me. And I said, look, um, it, it, it was my life. And Jesus changed me. I don't care about Christianity or anything else. You have any idea about it. My life was changed. I don't know what to do. It's, it's nothing real, you know? Literally, it was, my answer was just like this. But they would just keep saying that it is absolutely against Islam. Islam is our, uh, the, the main religion in this country. And uh, this country is based on Islam. And you're not allowed to talk about any. Uh, God, except from the God of Islam, you know. Yeah. So the, the way they react is so the way they react is it like you're being anti-patriotic? You're trying to undermine what made Iran great by doing this. Is that the kind of the reason they clamp down on it so much? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And so, so I can I completely understand that. Like that that is a, that is the purest testimony there is, isn't it? We're not we're not defending Christianity when I'm not a Christian so much as someone who's just met Christ. And that's what we're called to do, to follow him and be his disciple. Um, so they put you in solitary confinement, you said for 21 days, which um, it's easy to say that as a sentence, but I imagine the reality of that must've been terrifying. And so when they put you in this cell and close the door, do you know how long you're going to be there for? Is you think this could be it now? You must've been terrified. Yeah, it, it was literally as I, uh, so they put me, they, at first they were interrogating me and they put like, like questions in front of me and I didn't answer. And then they 
they came back and when they saw I haven't answered any questions, they become really angry and they put again another paper in front of me and I didn't do it again. And the guy, the integrator became really, this time really angry, say, okay, take him to solitary confinement and he will get a lesson and then he knows how to write uh, the answers. And as I heard the word solitary confinement, I was terrified <laughs> of me. And then, uh, and then, yeah, they took me uh, to this cell, which was two two meters than six meters, and uh, really small. And there was nothing in the room except from a pillow and a blanket for sleeping. And the toilet was in the corner. And um, as I walked in, literally, I, I the only reaction I could have, it was just crying. And I, it was, I, I didn't know what to do. It was so big. And I just uh, fell on the ground and just crying. And and it was very suffocating. Is that the word? Suffocating. You know, it was, I, it was like, I, I can't breathe. And just being in this such a small room and there is just door with a kind of small window on it that the, every, uh, morning or for your meals they 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 would give you your food through that and it was really difficult for the for the first night I couldn't sleep at all I just had night uh, nightmares and uh, but um as yeah I um uh, I I remember that um I had to walk around the cell uh, all the time and because if, if I would stop and just think it would be um, how can I say it, it my own so they, let me let me explain it like this because there is nothing there to like make yourself busy the only activity you have is just thinking you know and because you're not on a, in, like a, in a peaceful state even when we are in a peaceful state, normally we think negative, you know, the negative thoughts is then the uh, kind of first thoughts coming to our thoughts. And we not all, always naturally think positive. Oh, it's going to be a great day. You know, we just worry about things. And uh, so, especially when you are in this environment, that your life is in absolute danger, you have the worst thoughts in your mind, you know, and imaginations. And you just, every moment you think now they come and take you for, and go take you and torture you, or I don't know what, and I've, I, I, I heard lots of bad stuff about, for, about indigenous service, that they very horrible, they do horrible things to people. And you constantly think about these things. And also thinking about your family, about your friends, other church members, and what's happening and all these thoughts coming to you and just, wants to uh, kind of tie to you and don't let you to having one single positive thought and and it, it, yeah you just uh, tied by stress anxiety fear and all these kind of things so uh, what happened uh, was that I started to walking constantly around the room and just praying 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 and worshiping song by out loud you know i had to hear my voice and i had to just proclaim and it was just by my words and by by my faith uh just have the heavenly perspective you know and that put god above everything and just proclaim it constantly 
in all those negative thoughts and just walking around. And then uh, I remember every day from the morning till evening, I would walking. I, w- I was walking and uh, sometimes my knees w- would hurt. And but I just saw myself in the front line, uh, front front line of of a, of a war. That I have to this time. You can't just sit back and let things happen to you. You have to fight. If you don't fight, they they reach to the uh, the goal they they want because they put you in certain confinement to control you. Not only you're physically, they control you mentally by certain confinement. Like they 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 were using blindfold a lot. You know, from my house taking me to. To, uh, to the intelligence service, they use blindfold and handcuffs. And in, the, in, that, in that place, constantly I had uh, blindfold uh, on my eyes, except uh, uh, when I was in my room, you know? So be, all these messages was handcuffs, blindfold, solitary confinement, uh, horrible interrogations, and uh, all the threats. The message of all of them was, we are in charge, we are in control, you are, you, you are no one, you are small, you, you have no power. But I had to proclaim God's power on all of them, you know? And I remember I was praying constantly, God, if this door is shut, but you can go through all the chains and doors and walls and nothing can stop you, you know? You can move the mountains. If, if my hands are tight, uh, you, your hands are free. You, you've got the almighty arm who can remove everything. And the, the heart of this uh, rule is in your uh, hand, you know? You can, you can, you are the one who uh, control everything. So you are the sovereign rule. I had to um, um, proclaim all of them. Yeah, I can certainly see how this, this is like a battle you're describing then. You're having to fight for your mental health fight for your spiritual health fight in prayer against the forces of darkness you realize you're not i mean as paul says we don't fight against flesh and blood so you realize in that moment that it's against the principalities and powers that you're doing war um that lasted for 21 days yeah that's a long time isn't it three weeks of just nothing but two by six room um walking around pacing trying to hold that I mean, were there moments in that as well where you, you sensed God's presence? Were there moments in that where you felt like utterly terrified? You've described to me before about the the solitude, like pressing down like a physical force on your head. Yeah. Um, talk to us a bit more about that. Um, so um, there was time, yes, I, I felt God's presence powerfully. But there was time that I couldn't feel God's presence at all. And that was the most uh, kind of, um, how, how can I say? It was like annoying that <laughs> I'm in persecution because of my faith. I thought that you're going to be with me and you strengthen me. And I see your glory in persecution along the stories I've heard. But it wasn't like that sometimes, you know what I mean? And you, you say to yourself, oh, I'm here for my faith, but why God is not here? What I don't, why I can't feel, feel God, you know? And then, there was some reasons for it. But um, generally, it was a contrast between faith and fear always, you know, weakness and strength. It was me and Holy Spirit, let me t- t- say this. 
and uh, God was, you know, the, the whole journey was kind of, uh, it has different purposes. It wasn't only like because of my faith. Sometimes I felt that God called me to be here to build my faith for something in future, you know, to shape my character. And uh, he was like saying, I'm with you. I'm just changing something in you or giving something in you or removing something from you. And it was uh, sometimes like a discipleship, a personal discipleship for me with Jesus going through that, you know, uh, learning some stuff. Uh, but at, um, at, and also there was a time of Mojtaba being a human, experiencing that humanity. Uh, is that right? Humanity. Mm -hmm. Humanity, yeah. Humanity in this experience, uh, like every human, even they not believer, if they come to solitary confinement, they will experience these things, you know, like Jesus, who became a human, he experienced pain, he experienced all this stuff. So my pain, what I learned was my pain, my struggles, uh, my brokenness and my weaknesses and my faults and my uh, mistakes, I'm not defined by them. And the, the presence of God not not uh, is not defined by these things what i learned was you know if if i feeling weary if i'm trembling if i feeling if i'm doubting it doesn't mean god is not there you know god is god is a truth above everything it's not defined by our emotions so i i, I remember that as i stopped defining god's presence by my feelings and my emotions and measure god's presence by uh, my honest when I'm happy when I I'm joyful and it helped me during the I was a new believer you know at that time but this this it was a kind of a, a big lesson for me throughout all of my faith life my journey it helped me that if you don't accept God's uh, presence just with blessings you know have faith God will bless you you have faith God will um, heal you you know, if, if you don't receive healing, maybe your faith is not good enough. You know, if you don't have blessing enough or if you don't feel strong enough, maybe your faith is not good enough. But it's not true at all. It's not the measure of faith and um, um, God's presence. The measure of that is just being in relationship in him, like, like share your vulnerability in an honest way with, be with, you know, not. Like not like not a good person or bad person, like a good believer or bad believer. You you are just with him, in him. You are in a journey. You are in a relationship with him. So he was something like this for me. That's beautiful. Uh, thank you for those insights as well. Really helpful comments. Um, I, I'm I'm aware. So we're 21 days into this journey, and I know that we've got uh, many years to cover. So let's. <laughs> I've got lots of questions, a lot to to pick up. So you. I know that um, after this period of solitary confinement, the intelligence service released you under the, provi the provision or whatever the word is, um, that you don't carry on meeting with other Christians. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So they gave me a suspended sentence. Okay. It was eight months prison sentence. But if you uh, like continue your activities in the, within the next five years, we will arrest you again enforce this eight months and give you a new sentence yeah and so uh, with that hanging over your head and knowing the knowing the new danger on top of the old danger of meeting what did you do 
did you carry on meeting or did you stop meeting with believers and just try to be a Christian on your own? Yeah, so um, our court process took one year and uh, it was me and three more Christians uh, from the house church members. And uh, so we, we, during that one year, we had to see each other for the court uh, sessions, you know. And so, yeah, we were seeing each other. Uh, one of the things was, I always says that, that without my other believers, I couldn't make one moment, one second of persecution, literally. <laughs> it was without the presence and the encouragement and yeah, just them, I couldn't make it. And that's, that's my testimony. Even they said, we are a family being together and going through this together. So we, I remember we, we, we were singing song even before our court sessions sitting in the court uh, building. Uh, we were waiting for the judge calling us into his room and um, just singing songs and praying and just say, God is uh, powerful, God is on it, let's go in, nothing will happen. So we have like our, a place of our fellowship became like the court building itself, you know. But we would see each other in public places. And, uh, but after a while, um, uh, through like friends, relatives, especially because we were arrested and everyone knew now that in my family, like all the relatives, and Mushtawa is a Christian now, you know, and uh, some of them would talk to me and some of, some of them would introduce being raised to me. Oh, I know someone who is Christian. So uh, it started, our numbers started to grow, you know, and, uh, and we had to see each other in our houses again. And it was really, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it wasn't an easy decision, but I remember one day, with one of the other guys who was uh, convicted with me and he 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 has two children you know and we, uh, one day i told him look we are again we are gathering and we we have gatherings and it's dangerous and you have two children are you sure you want to continue this and he he said yes what what else i can do i i was i was already dead you know, and I, I don't care about prison stuff. He was addicted to drugs for 30 years and uh, nothing could help him getting rid of the drugs. And he had to take in lots of sleeping uh, pills uh, for sleeping. But with just one single prayer, when he gave his heart to Jesus, he didn't have any desire for drugs anymore. His testimony was just amazing. He said, look, my family was part of, uh, falling apart and, uh, and Jesus changed my life and saved my life and he made everything beautiful. And I, I believe the one who changed me in this way, he is, uh, he is uh, strong enough to um, protect my family and protect me for, for the next step as well. So he, he was... He, yeah, he, his testimony was absolutely 
amazing. So he really encouraged me. And I said, okay, if you want to continue, let's continue. And we continued, had our meetings, our numbers from 20 people increased to 150, nearly 150 people. And we had lots of meetings in different places and just, yeah, became, became busy again with. Wow. So you suddenly find yourself involved with pastoring and, and part of a church of 150, 200 people scattered in different house churches. Scattered yeah. and um, like most of them, seeing them in uh, one by one or such a small groups, uh, just very, it wasn't like, you know, um, it's the church concept is very different, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate that. So, uh, so tell us about what happened then when you were imprisoned. Um, how did that happen that you got imprisoned a second time, um, which is the one that I alluded to earlier when I said I just met you and you'd been out of prison, having been there for three years. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, one, one night uh, in one of our uh, meetings, we were, whilst we were worshipping, there was a knock at the door. And uh, each time that, the, like, there was a knock at the door during that uh, three years and a half, after the first, uh, I mean, after the court finished, um, every time, I mean, hearing any uh, phone calls or knock at the door, it was just like, oh, they're here, they're here, they're here. And we, yeah, that night, again, some of the, one of the uh, boys in our meeting when there was knock at the door, and he was always making jokes that, oh, they're here, <laughs> oh, they're here. <laughs> And this time he said he made his joke again and said, Oh, they're here. And he went and opened the door. And unfortunately, yeah, there was a very dark, dark evening, literally. And uh, it was like 30 officers, uh, a big group of officers. They went into the house in such an aggressive way shouting at people uh, and just ordering people to sit down on your seat and you, you, you're not allowed to move, collecting all the uh, mobile phones and children were in the other room and they came out, they were crying, terrified and uh, they didn't let to children going to their uh, parents, separated women and men and just filming everyone, giving a paper to People write down why you are here, who invited you here, and just horrible questions, you know. And um, they separated leaders, me and other like other five people who were leading all these meetings. We were the most active ones. They separated us, took us to another room, put handcuffs on us, and blindfold, and took us to intelligence service. And it was really, really a uh, heavy and dark night you know so yeah they took me again and all of us to solitary confinement separately in different cells the same situation like four years before that you know when i was 20 and at that time i was 24 and but experiencing one time you know uh solitary confinement it wasn't like i'm experienced now i know what i'm doing here it was as hard as before and even harder. And again, things happen. All many experiences I had in that time in uh, solitary confinement. And af after that, they 
uh, after 33 days being in solitary confinement, lots of intrigations about all the activities and everything. Uh, yeah, all the activities I had. Um, and they sent all of us to public prison in my city, Shiraz. And um, it was a big prison with nearly 6,000 to 8,000 prisoners in it. And it's one of the, one of the uh, most horrible prisons in, in Iran. And it's so big, big, big prisons. And it's just not, it's not you, you can't compare it to Western prisons, you know? And uh, it's very horrible uh, crimes. And yeah, I mean, one night I was in, the first night I was in there, uh, murderers, um, murderers cell part, which was like, so there was like 12 parts. Uh, I don't know how to say parts or salons. And each, each one of them had three floors. And in each floor, there was like a corridor, long corridor, like 200 meters and like 20 uh, rooms on the left and 20 rooms on the right. And there's a full of people, you know, in each room, like a normal size of this room, but with 15, 16 uh, people with like bank beds in it and just people sleeping on the, on the floor and it's full, full of people everywhere, just full of people. And it's so dirty, so... Uh, violent environment and that one night I just slept in that uh, murder part and it was just the most terrifying things in my mm. lecture. In a cell surrounded by people you know who are there because they've committed murder. It was it was crazy. It was crazy. I couldn't believe it. I'm, I'm there. Yeah. Mm. On the first night or the second night that you were in that public prison, I remember you sharing with me before though something encouraging that the Lord did. Um, can you remind us of that? Yeah, there, there is a lot of <laughs> things. But I think what, what you're saying is the first time when I was 20. Uh, oh, sorry. Okay. I got yeah. I, so actually that was that was a yeah, great testimony. Uh, so th when I was, uh, when they said I, I can be released by bail, which was uh, $20,000. Um, yeah. At that time, it, I realized how expensive I am, how valuable. <laughs> I think my dad said, that's for you. <laughs> <We don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, they for for waiting, waiting for the bill, uh, like my family bringing the, uh, the bail, uh, they sent me to public prison for two days. And before going there, I was so terrified. I was 20 and I heard lots of horrible stuff about prisons for young people being really vulnerable and in danger of being raped. And I was just say, oh, gosh, God, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I, I'm so terrified. I was really terrified. It was one of, I mean, at after 20 years in my life, I think it was the first time I was terrified like that. Anyway, I, I was sitting waiting in a uh, somewhere to take me to, to public prison. And I was so, uh, yeah, so scared. I don't know. And it was for the first time I was experiencing this. I don't know how. I just said the first line of the Psalms 23. And I said, God is my shepherd. I shall not want, you know. Is that right in English? Yeah, yeah. I I just said this sentence, 
and for the first time in my life i uh, i experienced a great peace uh, literally i was like praying like this and even i physically i like became like a strong like sitting straight you know and i just received a great courage from god and just had this saying every word of that god is my shepherd i shall not want it just gave me literally uh, a great courage uh, that look god is with you nothing gonna happen don't worry at all and i just felt it uh, strongly and um, i remember after saying that sentence till i was there for two days till i became released from that place i didn't have any fear and stress at all believe me and when i got there and uh, that's what i uh, yeah shared with you before in in um, so it was as i explained uh, explain, a really busy place randomly i slept uh, in one of the beds and i just look at the bank beds you know uh, uh, bunk bed uh, there, there was a picture of jesus i mean uh, there was a, a poster a, a picture uh, mary holding um, jesus uh, in his in her arms after he was crucified and i just I said where 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 was this in in whole of this um uh, prison you know big prison i'm laying down in this and watching this and as i saw this there was a message for me like i i told you i'm with you there was a sign i'm with you and yeah and it was just amazing that how god is there and doing all of these things yeah and you, you told me about a time that um there was a, a a particularly notorious individual who was in there for i think drugs um drug dealing and um you were able to share the lord with him do you remember that yeah he was a head of a gang his name was muhammad and he he was uh, sentenced to execution and he was a sunni muslim when he heard that we christian he came to us and started questioning christianity making arguments about islam and christianity and how good is islam is and islam is the perfect religion the last religion that everyone should believe in 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 that and about muhammad and all these kind of things and he was just arguing 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 and i remember i i was coming from sultan confinement it was the first week i was there and I, like the first few days i was in prison i was so confused and feeling really down and didn't know missing my family and just worrying about everything and didn't have any desire to share the gospel <laughs> literally <laughs> didn't have like didn't have this energy to talk about uh Jesus right now with this person especially i didn't know what his reaction going to be you know and um i told him look i don't know why you just arguing fighting with us and it's because it's it's not it's not about us it's about Jesus himself if you have any problem you can fight with himself 
And he he said, what do you mean? He, he thought I'm pulling his leg and I'm just like making fun of him. I just want to get rid of him. He said, what do you mean? I can fight with himself and talk to himself. I said, look, I believe, and the Bible says Jesus is alive. And I spoke to him and prayed to him. He answered me. And I and I just tell you tonight, if you want, when you want to go to sleep, you can pray to Jesus and say, if you are really there and you if you are uh, really alive, you can reveal yourself to me. And this man, yeah, he went and the next day he went back and he was a completely different person. And uh, he just gave me this, he just told his story that uh, last night when he prayed after a long time that he couldn't sleep because every night he was just sitting in his bed thinking about execution. And there was, there was a problem of many prisoners, you know, thinking about their sentence, thinking about their lives. So at night times, it was really interesting times. No one would sleep, you know, and just everyone, the day would start in prison, they say at night, the, the day will start actually again. And anyway, so he, he just slept like a baby. In the morning, he woke up and he didn't have any uh, he, he just had a great peace and had a strange feelings and the name of Jesus was just pounding in his mind and uh, made the long story short, he just, he always changed, you know, and he just prayed with me and since then for five uh, months we were together, praying together, I was telling the uh, Bible's story to him and he was so passionate and enthusiastic about it. And uh, one day he gave me this testimony that I'm not terrified of death anymore. I, I feel this peace and feeling peace and uh, kind of love I, I have from Jesus. I, I feel that even if I die now, I will be with him. And I believe in every single word you tell me about um, Bible and and he said i can't wait to become released and going to my city and tell everyone about jesus but he was telling his family over the phone you know and um, yeah it was amazing but after I, we were separated uh, at that time after five months we were separated and i was in different parts of prison and one day i heard that they were executed muhammad and it was, it was such a uh, unique and special moment for me, you know, being in prison next to this criminal person, you know, sharing gospel with him at the end of his life. And he become Christian and then go, I mean, it's just uh, crazy, you know, experience these things. And God just gave him a message that, all of your suffering, everything you've you, you've been through and everything you will go through is worth it for this man, you know? And he showed me how valuable is one person for him. And uh, as in preachers, we hear that if even one person was on the, on the earth, God would come and die for that person. And God just, yeah, kind of expand my heart for people and we saw more people came to Christ in prison and just gave a meaning to why I'm here. It's like a mission. You know, it's like a it's like 
you know, when we read the Bible, um, Jesus in New Testament was the only person who became close to lepers, you know, and loved lepers and hugged lepers. And everyone was terrified. <laughs> this man is crazy. Lepers were rejected far away from society. You know, they were baddies. They were dirty. And no one would care about them. But Jesus became close to them. And prisoners is like that. You know, prison is rejected from society. They are baddies. They are there. No one care about them. But still God wants to love them, you know. And in Iran, here is easy through alpha groups and different ways you can go in prison. But in Iran, it's not possible. Going and knock the door and saying, can we, can we come in prison, talk about God to these people, help them and blah, blah. They won't accept this, you know. They put yourself in prison for that. But God wanted us to wear, to clothe us, prisoners, take us in and then share the gospel with these people, you know, and stretch his arm and love these people, lepers who were rejected from society, you know. So, wow. it, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And so, yeah, powerful to hear. The, Lord, the Lord's arm is not too short to save, even in those situations where there are people that you think the world's forgotten and rejected. Yeah. Um, it's such a, a privilege and joy to connect with you and hear your story again. Um, obviously, there's a lot more we could talk about. I met you when you'd been in prison for three, as I mentioned, at age 27. And uh, it's funny, when we, when we met one another, we kind of got on very well. And I, and I knew in my spirit that this was not going to be the last time I would see Mostaba. just connecting for those few hours in Yalava. And then um, a couple of years later, you gave me a phone call one day to say that you were in my town on the beach. And can you come around for a cup of tea? <laughs> oh, my goodness. The Lord does do mysterious and wonderful things in bringing people together across the world. Um, and so currently you're, you're doing speaking um, for Open Doors, as I mentioned at the start, and uh, looking to support and encourage the persecuted church at um, various conferences. And uh, alongside that, uh, training to be ordained with the Anglican Church at St. Melissa's College. Yeah. Um, sounds like you've got a, a, it's amazing what the Lord's doing, done in your life and, and doing through you still. Um, I, I'd really love to have you come back on the podcast and share with us more about the persecuted church more generally, um, what God's doing through the various uh, groups like Open Doors and what they're, what they're up to. So you'd have to come back with us and share some more at another time. Would that be okay? Yeah, definitely. Why not? Uh, but Moistimba, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing with us such a beautiful and sacred story. Oh, thank you so much, Jess. That's great. And the viewers, the people who are, who are listening to this podcast need to check out the YouTube channel to see this man smile. You just have the best smile in the world. Your face is radiant, always full of joy. Um, and so it's just, yeah, the Lord really does shine through you. And so I wish you and your, and your dear wife, Hannah, well, and look forward to connecting with you again soon. Cheers. Yeah. Thank you. I have to say that you also are very competitive, which I learned when we played Settlers of K-Tan. But... <laughs> <laughs> You lost last time. I, I didn't lose. You lost. Let's not talk about that. 